where is the free ride? Where is the free ride? And everything we do, there's yeah. a free ride somewhere. If you really start yeah, breaking yeah, yeah. it down, there's this moment where 100%. you push, you release, then you catch. Hello and welcome to Dance Bands. I'm your host and who am I? A disorganized young freelance artist. And today... I'm honoured to be in the presence of the one and only Anton. Anton is a performer, choreographer, director and teacher, widely known throughout the contemporary dance scene. He has performed for Dance North, ADT, Taz Dance, Legs on the Wall and Sydney Theatre Company and choreographed his own works for the past 24 years. Anton Project directed the 2014 Australian Dance Awards and his award-winning dance films have been screened internationally. Anton worked as the rehearsal director for Bangara and recently worked with Fling Physical Theatre as Dance Development Officer. Please welcome Anton. Anton. Why are we wearing these masks, Anton? Well, in celebration of the government turning back the decision um, to stop us from dancing in clubs and stuff. That's right. The restrictions are easing today because it's the 29th of March. 29th of March, so but um, they decided, nah, we're not going to do that because of Queensland. Yeah, thanks, Queensland. Good on you, Queensland. Thanks, Queensland. Anton, what do you reckon? I reckon love is love, dance is everything, and I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> and are you afraid of dying? I used to be, but mm-hmm. have been. I think it's our job to not be afraid of dying. Yeah? Like, I think it's our lifelong journey to accept that we will die. Whereas yeah, we're taught yeah, in yeah. sort of Western culture that we're never going to die. You say now, virile, happy, interested, loving life, sitting here with such another beautiful kindred soul, our energy smashing together. And then I go, yeah, no, I'm not worried about dying, but let's see what happens when we get there. But I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to understand the fact that well, no, no, just know on a daily basis nice. that this is not forever and that you take yeah. every moment, you don't take any moment for granted, that's what mm. I meant to say. You want to be in the moment of everything because it ain't going to be here. This experience or this whatever is not going to be here in the future. Nice. Mm. And, um, you know, that. yeah, it's a release. Do you think death is the end? Oh, were you, were you about to say death is it? Did you mean death is a release? Because I was going to yes. say yes. Yes, that's what I mean. Because death is a release of this. As you get older, you start, and I'm not very old, but you start to see why sleeping is so good. Oh and like, God, thank sleeping. God for yeah. sleeping. Yeah. Imagine the nightmare of just being born again. Oh, like Groundhog Day. Yeah. But what is that called? Um, is there another? It's not infinite regression, but it sounds Ooh. like that. The phrase I was thinking of is eternal recurrence. Wow, that should be a dance work where we do the same phrase again and again and again. It might come back to me, but the theory is that you will live your life exactly the same again and again. Why? And so you might as well enjoy it. But why would you do that? Well, it's a proposal by a philosopher. I'm really, I'm, I'm forgetting what it is about, but that's the gist. And I kind of sort of feel like as I've got a bit older, none of it means shit anyway. Like, or none of Mm. it is that actually impressive or exciting as sort of what I've made it up to be. But that's also really good too. I mean, sort of just being with whatever's happening is is what I'm sort of trying to say about that in terms of it not being that exciting and interesting. Like just sort of accepting whatever that is. Like 
marginalizing it that yes getting in the car and turning on my ignition's just as good as premiering a work or yeah or yeah falling in love infinitely forever i mean does i mean I fall in love all the time with people, by the way, mm. like like walking down the street and I call them insta-loves and I just, mm. and there's about three minutes of a deep, deep love and I feel their kinship and, and yeah, I just think insta-love, if we all insta-loved all the time and just yeah. sort of reached out to each other. Mm. But you know they're saying now that your heart, um, in terms of science, I need, I, I'm, ten, again, terrible with names, but apparently your heart throws out three meters three to six meters around you these waves around you like sort of means to be an open heart and they're scientifically found that these waves surround you all of us have this so when you come in and you sort of meet someone go it's sort of their waves are yeah not so open and Mm. and happening so i mean i think that's why i fall in love with people because i'm sort of like waving or imagine i'm waving Mm. even if it's not true just imagine you're waving from your heart and like yeah yeah and then then they're sort of their heart interlocks and then yeah you just have a have a ball for those three minutes. Wow, that's sweet. And there's no sex involved either. None of that messy stuff. I mean, I enjoy all that, but just saying Mm. like, it's sort of good to just have that purity. You know those moments where when you're in a relationship, I don't know if you're in a relationship or not, but like you may have not done any of the intimacy or or sexual intimacy and you're just lying there together or you're just holding each other's hands or you're just sitting in the car and looking at the ocean. And you just feel well, that's this. what you remember. Yes. You don't remember the smash, <laughs> unless it's really bad, or unless <laughs> never good. Yeah. No. <laughs> Have you ever shat yourself? Yes, of course. Everybody has, and whoever we're all a baby once. Yeah, but that's Come on. like, what about after that? That's what the question really means. Not as an adult. I don't remember pooing myself as an adult although i've been pretty close when i've been bushwalking you know mm-hmm. like holding it into the point where you're like oh just go and then you realize you're in the beautiful bush you can dig a hole just go for it why yeah. am i why am i conditioned to hold my body you know hold it so tight yeah right ridiculously yeah but never on stage which is good uh never before dance work i urinated myself on stage during my graduation Oh, out of excitement. Definitely not excitement. Fear. Oh, where did but you go it was to uni? Fun. I did Sydney Dance Company's PPY. Oh, awesome. Mm, yeah. What year was that? I never had you. It was in 2015. I was the second oh. year it existed. But I have done your class before when I was 13 years old at Newtown High School of Performing Arts. You came and taught a master class once. And the whole time I was like, I can't do a back roll. I was oh, freaking no. out because it's the class where you take you take all the grades, and I was just in year seven, and I was like, oh. "This is a lot. This is really hard." Oh no! Yeah, how traumatic. Your class is hard. Oh no! <laughs> That's how I remember. I remember you, Anton. You, you yeah. traumatized me. Yeah. Oh, mm, she says. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Oh well, that's good. Good feedback. Quite a few years later. I could yeah, have like, yeah. um, maybe I won't make my classes so hard. No, no, or no, you should, you maybe harder. Yeah, <laughs> make them harder. I want to ask you about teaching later, but I think I'll wait. Is that the three questions? That's all of them. Yeah, so yes, I have pooed myself. What was the next one? Have, are you afraid of dying? No, but yes, but no. 
and what do you reckon? Love uh, is love and love is love. Yeah. Yeah. What do you reckon? I think I'm going to ask people that all the time. Like, you know, is you, you're in a in the line at the coffee shop, mm. and you'd be like, "Yeah, instead of hey, how are morning, you? how are you? What do you reckon? Yeah, what do you reckon? And they'll probably, I imagine there might be a bit of that thought process of like, huh? What are you asking? Yeah. But I think I'm just going to continue. No, what do you reckon? Tell me. I'd love to know. I'm interested. Yeah. I think it's a better question to ask. I think it's a, the right question to ask. So I think the first thing we should do is talk about your new show, Nasty Fiction. Nasty Fiction, yes. Is on the 13th to the 15th of May at Form Grand Dance Projects. Not Grandex. No, at oh. Form Dad's okay. Projects. You know what I was going to say just before I forget? Mm. You graduated at QUT the same year I was born. <laughs> that crazy or what? That's awesome. I mean, it's sort of like, I don't know if we planned it. I didn't really call up your parents. I didn't know mm. your parents. But yeah. that's good to know. Yeah, so how old are you now? I'm 24. That's how long I've been in the... I had my career, 24 years. Wow. So that's pretty cool. That's so cool. That's so cool. So old. Brianna and I started a conversation about nasty fiction in 2015-16. We worked together in 2012 and we started a a dialogue. We just started writing to each other. We knew we wanted to work together, but we didn't know what the work was and we didn't know how we were going to get in the studio. Plus, I'd had a major break from creating. Yeah. Uh, At 39, I sort of dropped off the end of the earth through pressure and feeling the anxiety of making and it was sort of like 18 years of smashing it in companies, out of companies, into, you know, independent artists, commercial work, theatre direction, like uh, movement direction that is, sorry, and teaching and making and it just smashed me and trying to do all the grants and get a show up. Wow. Like it was just crazy. So I stopped Mm. um, because I went into major depression and it was just anxiety. So then I left and then I was with Ausdance for a year doing marketing and then I left there and then I got the job at Bangara in 2015. So I sort of had a year off too in between that around 2013 where I did nothing. I literally Mm -hmm. cancelled everything and while I wasn't doing nothing, I was gardening. Basically I did a year of gardening, which was amazing. And then um, after that, Brianna and I, something started happening at Bangara, creative bubblings started happening. And I knew, you know, when you just get called and I felt like just called to work with Brianna, like Mm -hmm. there was such a fusion of respect and understanding and no power playing, really honest dialogue to each other, like Mm -hmm. purely like, Whatever that is, like, actually, Anton, I need to sit down for a moment. Um, I just, great. Oh, or Brianna, I'm charging. Can I just go in the corner and still do this? No problem. Just when you have a, a, a someone that you muse with, not that they're the muse, but we're each each other's muse or the thing that we're making is the muse, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore, and then after that, we got our own studio spaces. I was at Bangara, so we got a bit of space there and we just sort of just seeing you know like some and especially in the independent world now everything is sort of just seeing isn't it it's sort of paid via exposure or paid via your own time or paid via your own savings (laughs) is basically how you sort of start an idea these days yes there are lots of other opportunities and lots of other organizations doing stuff but it's tough you know there's a lot of competition the first name of the work that we thought we were going to make was um, Everything is Nothing. 
<laughs> and then through lots of other dialogue of other things, we found nasty fiction, which is totally inspired by the obsessive absurdity that we live in today, where we are living so much of our lives in this perceived life. <laughs> it's a lot of time. And I just, we thought that was interesting. And yes, it's not the most um, sort of, it's original idea and our take of that. And it's a new way to reimagine sort of identity in the digital age. Um, we're interested in the characters that exist. We've made a work that's very much about the intersection of virtuosic dance and characterization. Cool. So we're- we I like virtuosic dance. I like that phrase as well. Yeah, I mean, we Why are. Why not? Why not? Come on. And what's sort of my point of interest, those that don't use virtuosic dance, I still have the attention because I think movement is everything. So there are so many types of movement artists that blow my fucking mind. But for me right now, I'm sort of still interested in that. Yeah. Yes. And um, so love, love characterization. And so, yeah, so then we've sort of made this work and nasty fiction, the word is completely bullshit made up, haha. <laughs> but we are creative artists, so sometimes we find our own titles. And the word nasty fiction comes from a shortening of the word narcissist, you're so nasty, and it's crossed with fiction from crucifixion, meaning mm. fastened to the cross like a death. But I think on a less dramatic level, it just means get your head out of your phone and look at the world. Right, <laughs> cool, I like it. Yeah. I'm keen to see it. Yeah, it's been really exciting. We made this incredible teacher's resource with a woman named Shane Carroll, who's the education oh, consultant. Oh, love Shane. Amazing. Talk about someone that has given so much to dance community and artists, Shane Carroll. Like incredibly over the last 40 years, she has helped so many things happen within Sydney, helped so many companies, helped so many independent artists find their voice, find themselves, yeah. been on the, you know, so many boards, boards of critical path, you like dance and sport boards. She's been, a, you know, on the board of the Australia Council and never with ego, always about, you know, bringing opportunity to other artists, mm. critical path. Like, uh, yeah, she's just awesome. Anyway, she helped me make this, and myself, excuse me, me, Brianna and I uh, make these incredible teachers resources and we're doing workshops for 178 students in relationship to the show. It's so exciting. Wow. As dance educators, myself and Brianna are so, like, I just love explaining, like, context around work or being in a space where we can explain that, whereas so much of what we see now, we don't even think two seconds as to why or what that idea came from and what does it mean and it's really cool. Right, so like school, like primary school kids? Uh, it's high school, dance schools and um, high schools. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, maybe this is where I can ask you about teaching. I wanted to read some of the schools that are on your CV because it's kind of insane. There's not really anything left any place left that you could teach like okay so <laughs> anton has taught for sydney dance company the aussie ballet bangara legs on the wall taz dance expressions dance north adt beijing modern dance fucking dan dream dance company amazing oh my god in their first their first season myself and sarah well sarah was i was making stuff for them but i was i just came in and taught a couple of classes only a couple but right. oh my god they were amazing uh-huh yeah uh-huh 
Well, yeah, Evan Bow, you, Tanya Pearson's, yeah. Brent Street, yeah, Studio Tibor, Wapa, and QUT, but not VCA. No, not VCA. Uh, I have. Did I teach them? Maybe with one of the companies. Hmm. So, if I'm not mistaken, that's every major dance company in Australia that I can think of. Off the top of my head, no offense to any other dance company. Oh, I taught Belva as well like, for Lucy Guerin years ago. Uh huh. <laughs> um, probably like others. Legs on the wall. Yeah. Sean Park and Company. We're talking about contemporary dance companies. That's everywhere, and that's amazing. And so, I guess, can you talk a little bit about teaching and like, mm. do you love it? I absolutely love being in a room with other humans mm. and moving and helping to sort of break patterns and fill them full of positive energy to go about their days. I mean, a lot of the companies, they're not interested in um, like sort of warming up too hard or not hard enough. There's a really fine balance for, for yeah. professionals. You gotta mm. sort of pitch it in the right way. And you also never be offended when you know, maybe three or four of the class go sit down because they've got a full day of dancing. So this is all for you. I mean, I love inspiring other people to move and I love filling a room with joy as much as I can. So I love mucking around and I like putting on really daggy music at times, especially if it's they're in a really serious rehearsal or finding free movement. But then I also love doing a nice tondu and getting yeah. into the floor and dropping through my pelvis and working the weight of my head and and falling about. And like through that falling about, you find all the stabilizers Mm. within your body. And look, it's not a stylistic thing, sort of my, the work that I sort of make that I teach. It's sort of, it's very process driven. It's like from the bottoms of your feet up to the top of your head. And it's all interconnected. Actually, all movements interconnected in some way or another. Like, it's so funny that we have to be dance, but, you know, like sport is pretty movement orientated. Yeah, yeah. Choreographed. Pretty, pretty, it's a big, yeah, a music. I mean, and even actors, I'm sorry, if you're moving, you're moving your muscles, which is this, so you're dancing sucked in. You're not even doing theatre. It's all movement. Like, so, and then there are other times where they want, like, I want something quite ballet, you know, Mm. so I love... Cool. I was never a ballet dancer, but I loved training in ballet and mm. love, love, love the, the way to, to work the muscles and I love the sustained energy, you know. Mm. We sort of move around a lot now, but yeah. I do love that repose of just feeling calm within such turmoil at times. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't do fifth anymore, but I remember that, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah. Mm. What about full-timers? What's the approach there when you teach them yeah look at the moment like the classes i was just doing at Edinburgh this mm. first term we were looking at free rides every time that you can find a free ride using the weight and momentum of yeah. your body and they're Fun. there all the time and they might just be yeah. a little free ride it might just actually be not holding this way but just taking your head that much and look already i'm falling off Sick. my chair 
So we were talking oh about, we were looking God. at free rides and we were looking at um, the... Free rides, what a concept. Where, where is the free ride? Where is the free ride? And everything we do, there's yeah. a free ride somewhere. If you really start yeah, breaking yeah, yeah. it down, there's this moment where 100%. you push, you release, then you catch. Yeah, yeah. Or you you um, wow. you release, then you throw, then you... Ah, then where's, yeah. the, where's that? There's these, yeah, all these little free ride explosions Sweet. that happen, especially Ooh. in momentum, drop, catch. And I've also loved teaching full-timers about sharing body weight, not mm. in partnering, but, you know, yep. through contact, contact improvisation, yeah. but also just about pressing and understanding where weight resides. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love hearing someone talk about dance and teaching in such a specific manner. Like, what do you think is the, the requirement or the responsibility of a teacher, especially with kids? Well, like it's students. really have a lot of time to understand your own infrastructure, your own um, architecture, like really understand it, really understand how it works. And then um, you need to really understand safe dance practices, what that means in an alignment, how body alignment works, yeah. really, not just, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. no. And also... Uh, you need to be able to communicate well. That's one that's really important. But also um, know how to break things down, you know, really clearly for students to understand. Yeah. And also why. Tell them why you're doing what you're doing. Don't just yeah, tell them to do yeah, it. Yeah, 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 tell yeah. them why this, this, what does this little thing, why does spreading your feet like this in class help you or pushing up onto your demi point? Because it's going to give your feet strength so then when you rise or when you land, you can land. But it's mm. not just saying, oh, it looks pretty or makes it strong, like actually showing them or and also being able to really demonstrate well, like yeah. the skills that you're yeah. asking. Do you go full out when you teach? Pretty much. Nice. I mean, I'm two years old at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so being two is pretty good. Teaching physically and demonstrating still yeah. also allows me to connect to what I'm teaching, how I'm yeah. teaching it, and also allows me to keep dancing. Like yeah, what a joy. Yeah, yeah. Like dancing's awesome. Yeah, I feel that 100%. I do a lot of yoga. I love yoga. I love asana practice. I've a bit of Amayinga and Vinyasa and Ashtanga practice all mixed together. Uh, did a yoga teacher training course. But this year, because I was coming back to doing quite a few more performance um, projects, I was integrating drop, catch, fall, dance amongst practice. Um, pushing through the feet, counterbalance, weight, circles, lots of circles, lots of opening up through the body. And, like, that's all warming up. That's really really warming up like mm. those classes where you come in I mean it depends like if I'm in a if I was in a project which I will be with Brianna in a week I will do an hour of yoga before I do class mm. because we might only want to be doing a, a short amount of class and it is about warming up mm. and Brianna does beautiful inspired I call her inspired practice classes that are sort of we you just feel like you're sparkling the whole time and she moves through incredible amounts of um, imagery and and it just sort of makes your brain explode and your body follow all this gorgeous generous thought but at other times you know like for me, sometimes I'll just shake for 10 minutes yeah we're shaking but shaking very methodically in order of something. Like it could be 
like that it's quite good because when you do this for a while like it's popping my wrist i'm feeling that open yeah. and i feel my shoulder oh now my clavicle you know my clavicle's yeah. opening and i'm moving through that oh now oh, maybe that's not a shake oh that's a shake yeah more shaking yeah like i love that <gasps> love it love it do you feel like your body has gotten how different does it feel as you've gotten older of course I'm not going to do what I did when I was at ADT in 2000. Like, that was 21 years ago. And what would that be that you're not going to do? I am not going to do a – like, I would not go rolling into the floor like I did and do a crazy Sarah Jane and then do a full twisting butterfly and then come in and do ballet class straight away and then go into, like, a tumbling class and then make up tumbling stuff and then come into rehearsal smashing it out and going for it which I loved yeah. at that stage. And I was that sort of person. That's yeah. why I'm talking in that voice. It's not because I'm paying out anyone else. I'm paying myself out. Yeah, I want to do it, man. I want to do it. I want to do it. Like, but yeah. now I know. I have explosion and I have that kick. Like that work needed you to be so ready on the side of the stage. Yeah. Like back arches and like up and ready. And come on, we're going to do Like you just, you've got to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not like, okay. Yeah. It was never a sustained moment in 82. Right. But I don't, wow. I, I don't, like, you, I never, ever remember ever walking onto stage and just, like, doing, like, doing a little crazy, t like, it was always like, yeah. I don't think now, like, I could do that, but I'd have to, it takes a lot longer to get to that. Well, that's pretty inspiring. Would you say, would, do you think it's a bit of a myth when people are like, oh, my body's not what it used to be? Well, you've got to work it. you got to, mm. so you know your limitations and then you work around those limitations. Yeah. You've got to, it's got to be consistent still. You've got to work through it. You want to, like, if you want to do it, you've got to dance. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't sit in the office for 25 hours a week and then expect next week to go into a full dance work. Mm. But you could work 25 hours a week, dance for five do some fitness do your yoga and mm. keep that up and then when you get to your performance thing you right. would you got to rechange up how you practice and get into something do you do other forms of exercise or dance and dance and dance and dance uh, yoga yo lots and lots of yoga and lots of breath work and mm. also i love bushwalking and i yeah. like i've started to love swimming since covid nice been swimming down at malabar bay blows my right, mind cool the reeds everything there's like a, just a general belief I've always had that I would have to quit dancing when I hit like 30s. I thought that. Mm. I absolutely thought that. This might be a great time for you to talk about the time you stopped dancing. Well, I mean, firstly, as a young person, I was conditioned to think that, you know, once you leave dance companies, that's it. Gone. Finished. Mm. Yeah. You don't do anything else. You just... Finished, but sort of a, it's an obsession for me to think about practice. It's an obsession to think about art. It's an obsession to think about the relationship art has and what it can say to a broader community. It's an obsession to, it just, I just get fueled by it. So when I was lost, I was sort of, I'd lost my obsession and sort of, that felt quite good. It was like right. five years or five, six years, like I finished in 2012 was my, my, I made a crazy year. And then 2013, I did nothing. 2014, 15, 
I started with Bangara, then 2016, 17, 18, then 2017 I made my first work for Evan Bow. And it was called Despotic Tendencies and it was sort of to do with Trump. I couldn't believe Trump was in. It was my sort of uh, own demonstration, I suppose. But not didactic and saying, you, you're an idiot, I hate you, I hate what you stand for. It was more that I was just perplexed by seeing his image everywhere all the time. Like, oh my God, just seeing his face all the time. And then I was like looking online and I thought, oh, maybe I'll buy one a mask of his. And then there was this little Japanese um, like homemade mask making shop in Japan that had this amazing mask. But then what had happened is since he got in, Everybody loved that mask that they had to make. They were just getting smashed out by making these masks and they weren't putting on any extra staff. And, and it was sort of really ironic in like even his mask enslaves yeah. people. You know, like I found that really weird, just his image, yeah. you know. And so then I bought 17 of the masks and I made this work at Evan Bow where we put 17 of these trunks on stage. And... It was sort of more about like despotic tendencies is also about, you know, that like when his party got in, how old and white it looked. There was no diversity in race mm. or age or there's this, it was just so weird. And so that's why I was like, oh my God, I have to, ma and it was like, I have to make something. I have to make something. This is, right. you have wow. to, like the idea usually comes to me. Cool. And so that sort of snapped me back right. into wanting to do something. Wow. But then the same token, I was also talking to Brianna and getting in the studio mm. and doing things. Um, right. And then now I'm 47 and I've just like got my work coming up mm. and I'd love that to go on tour. So if you want to buy it, just contact me. Uh, we just work for Legs on the Wall and I have other performance opportunities this year and sowing the seed for some other... Um, works and I think now I feel so driven to perform even more so when I was a younger person mm. when I was a younger person I wanted to be a director and a choreographer I remember I was like oh god I want to be a director choreographer. I want to be a choreographer I want to be. even though I had all these amazing opportunities and now it's sort of I can be a director choreographer I was sort of I all I think it's really important these days now for mm. old older yes mature maybe is the word but yeah, older artists to be out there, especially especially in dance, because mm. I feel clearer uh, somatically. I feel like I could connect with an audience really clearly. There's no doubt in my mind about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I don't feel like there's that moment. You know when you're dancing sometimes or doing somebody else's work and you go, yeah, I love this minimal work, but God, I want to be flying across the room or you're flying across the room and you go, oh, I just want to do something that's theatre-based and then you're doing something that's theatre-based and you go, oh, but I want to be... No, there's none of that. Now it's like, this is what I'm saying for now. Maybe all that can change in the future, mm. 100%. But I love being on stage. Like, I love it even more now that I'm yeah, older. Yeah, right. Yeah, 100%. Look, if I'm 47 now, I'm only three years off 50. So dancing till 60 sort of makes sense. Really. Wow. Really? I mean, it's only another 10 years. Yeah. Awesome. So it's like 13 wow, years. Wow, that is really cool. But then also what that also means, well, what is dance? Is dance the virtuosic bit? Mm. Or is it dance 
can be so poetic in so many ways in mm. movement, you know? Who's to say what the next works will bring in that, in, the, yeah. in that generation of time? The shift in your lifestyle after that break, like what led you to take that moment off dance and oh, God. I guess the years preceding it and what do you mm. think there was a lessons that you learned, things that someone could have told you survival as a freelancer the things that led me to uh stop stopping stop dancing or really wanting a break and not just a small break but like absolutely thinking i was never going to dance again came about because of the pressure that i felt under um mm. to make work not just good work or the steps but producing work all of that pressure made me go I'm out, goodbye, see you later. And really dramatically, like I was, I am never gonna dance again. Like, I hated it. Like, it made me cry and fall into a heap and shake and, and also feel like all those years were worth absolutely nothing and that I was never gonna go anywhere else. And yes, I suppose there's an end date to everything and there is, everything has impermanence now and I see that. and. Going away made me realise that I could have been healthier if I was guided healthier. Like mm. we would, if there was a whole bunch of stuff given to me when I was growing up in terms of survival plans. Does I don't know what happens in unis now, but when I was at uni, it was just shut, shut up, work hard, and work hard. And I loved that, and I mm. loved all my teachers there. But there was never any talk about what to do to become an independent artist. Hmm or how to deal with the stress of that, or how to maintain financial structure, or what would you even invest in if you came across a bit of money, or maybe a whole bunch of in, in, like artists should be now investing in property together in, in community titles or coming together, yeah. or maybe independent artists should, would, should find a shop front and just set it up and start teaching kids themselves, not even kids, but yeah. set up their own space. And it's a cafe, like I think, Nowadays, there are so many exciting young artists out there because when I was coming through, it was quite centralised. Dance mm. was centralised. It was very, you went to this school. When I went through in the 90s, in the 90s, I finished in 96. And like during that time, there was no other school to do contemporary, like a professional school. You either yeah. went to uni and got a job or you didn't. And there was 2,500 that auditioned, 24 got in and nine graduated. Whoa. That was the numbers. And they went Whoa. all around Australia to... Wow, EQUT. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And at that stage, like the... Um, uh, so many... It, there was so many sessional teachers and mm. so much like... We met Lloyd Newson there and Wendy Houston and all the about like contemporary companies came in and made work and Lee Warren was making work. That's how I met Gary Stewart. He did my graduation and he didn't have ADT yet. He had another company before that called Thwack and we're all just starting out. And I think why I got picked uh, a lot because sort of the gentrified one type of body was sort of breaking away. Like mm. a lot of task work was happening in Europe and Peter Bausch and... Lloyd and a whole bunch of other stuff was happening and I think Australia then was in the 90s really starting, early 90s starting to grasp that. I think tasking work had already been there very prevalently in 
um, a performance space and some other like independent artists were doing it. But in terms mm. of a company level, companies were sort of looking for something different. And I, short, peppy, got it, different, could speak, could sing, not really sing, but hot. like I was just loved it all. I just wanted to do it all. Like I just want to do it all. And so I think that's how I got in because I was like, I love the ideas behind it. I want to chat about that. I want, I'll make anything. Um, and so most of my career I've made all the movement for others. Like I, sometimes I've always longed for like, I just learned a, a C curve and should I say part of Beret and God, if fuck, it would have been lovely to do some of the stuff I trained in my career. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm sort of starting to form, put some of that in my own works now at 47. Right. Like, movement's awesome. Like, the movement that I learned is awesome. Like, why do I have to negate that all the time? A hundred percent. That's, I believe that so strongly. Mm. I love massive, hardcore physical movement at the moment anyway. Yeah, at 24. Yeah. Tell us how you started dancing. Like, when did you start? Absolutely, I remember my first memory of dance was grabbing onto a big, huge speaker. Like, I think I was two or three. And I remember looking down and seeing white around here. And I was holding this thing, which now I know was a speaker, but at the time I didn't know what it was. And I was going like this. And I was, and I was doing something, I looked up, and I just remember my auntie... I'm pretty sure my mum was there and Uncle, maybe Uncle Yari, I can't remember. And they just said, dance, dance. And I went, I didn't even know what that was. And that was my first memory. And then mum, later on after that, I must have been three, put me into Bowdoin Visa, which was a, an old school that doesn't exist anymore with Maggie Chapel. And I was very, very young. Put me into contemporary dance classes with white leotards. Wow. So my first go was contemporary. Wow. And I did that um, for a couple of years and then she put me into ballet and one of the teachers told her he will never be a prince, but character dancers are way more interesting. Right. <laughs> so this was all like, I was born in 74, so this was all like late 70s, <laughs> six or seven, maybe seven, I'm pretty sure. I went, we went up to Mount Victoria and I got bashed by a whole bunch of stupid boys and they called me all these stupid names which I didn't really understand what they were and I so I stopped dancing because I was like mum I don't you get bashed for dancing so I stopped dancing I yeah. told her and she said are you sure and I was like yes I don't want to do it anymore nah not if you get bashed like we used to get up um and go down to class in Sydney from the Blue Mountains. So we'd catch the train for two hours. <laughs> Mum would take me every week. Then she would go to um, Paddy's Market, which was the hay market then, and then we'd get back on the train and go back up. And then I just stopped and we just stopped for years and I did quite a bit of sport. And Mum put me in lots of drama and lots of, um, there was some even movies for kids to make, like television studio stuff at Paddington Town Hall. They had a course there that Mum put me in. Really cool, Mum. Mum's, yeah, go mum. mum's just awesome. And then I went to high school in Canberra to an, uh, Tilopi Park High, which is an international high school. And I was really starting to dance at those discos, like really love video clips. Oh my God. And just, I was such a good mimicker, mm -hmm. but I hadn't had all that training. And then um, 
went in year nine to Endeavour High School, the Shire, back yeah. down the Shire. Then I met this girl called Renee Berry and I was, I was loving dancing there. And then um, Renee Berry got me to come to Leone Renee and Joanne Hocking School of Dance, mm-hmm. but only really casual. Like I did their open class, and I was still following, like I'd forgotten all ballet and everything, but I was just, and then I did lots of pieces with her and we won a competition at Roselands Shopping Mall where we danced and we won $1,000, amazing in that time. And then we worked at a nightclub in Brighton Lee Sands um, doing a Madonna review and then we worked for Disney a little bit together. But I still didn't know that that was a dance career. I just thought it was just things that you do. You know, like I didn't know that I was mm. sort of dancing. And it was all like pop stuff, loved it. And then I left high school and I was still sort of doing stuff with Leonie, Renee and Joanne Hocking. Um, and I was at the bank, at the Commonwealth Bank, mm-hmm. doing a banking traineeship because I thought I was going to do that. I got into nursing, I got into primary school teaching, and I got into high school PE teaching. A lot of life, people just sort of, especially with young people, yeah. they don't actually sit and sort of check whether you actually comprehend what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Now I really, like when I work with young people, I want to try to really guide them through whatever the concept mm. is. And if they chat to me about something, really sort of try to actually spend the time explaining whatever it is that we're yeah. doing. or. If they ask about the industry, you know, I'm not going to answer with some cryptic thing like I was being told, Dad, you're lucky to be in dance. It'll it'll happen. No, you're lucky to be in dance and dance chooses you. You don't choose dance. What does that mean? I don't know, understand what that meant. Mm. Things like that. I thought it's good. Like they're sort of giving me a compliment, but it's also sort of like shut up. Like yeah. don't question it. Just sort of yeah. go with it. And so then anyway, after that, my mum, she was – a seamstress for a while, part-time at the, Australian, at the Queensland Ballet. She was in Brisbane. Wow. And then she met this dancer called Rosetta Cook. She's a, she was amazing, 90s ballet prima ballerina at the Queensland Ballet. And my mum said, where should, where, where should my son go? And I didn't have enough ballet for Queensland Dance School of Excellence. So she said, go to QUT. And then out of the blue, mum found the course, contacted them, found out the audition, and then just threw me in the audition. Like she had two days, she was like, threw me in. And I was like, what? And I went and they put me at the front of the bar, Anton A, A for Anton. And I had no, so I was looking behind doing like everything going, oh my God, what the hell is this? I haven't done this for years. I hadn't, and then sort of was terrible at picking up the jazz and, and that and like really, it was really, really lyrical jazz and um, a contemporary, never done it. Didn't even understand what that was. And then it got to the point where they, there was an improvis, improvisation section and I'd never sort of done that. And they were like, I think the improvisation was walk across the room as if the room is filled with cotton wool. Wow. And I never forget that. And I just was like, I, I just, oh my God, it was like, I just love, I don't know why I loved it so much. Just, I love the cryptic nature of it, but that I could get my teeth into it, that I explained it and it sort of explained it with my own body and that they weren't showing me a move and it was just yeah. incredible. And then I had the meeting with um, a lecturer there and he said to me, why do you want to dance? And I said, because it's good. <laughs> and he just looked at me like, oh, yeah. And then he said, do you know of Dance Australia? I was like, 
No. And what companies have you seen? I was like, companies? What do you mean? He goes, well, we're in Sydney Dance now. I went, oh, okay. So I can see a show here. And he's like, oh, no. Like, I knew nothing. Nothing. Didn't get in. And then um, I got a letter a little bit later saying um, they've never done this before, but they picked four, six, six students, sorry, six students from um, all over Australia that they thought had, like, would, they could see major potential. And they invited me to do a six week course wow. in Brisbane. So I packed up Sydney, went up to Brisbane. And I did that course, the sort of beginning of the next year. That was amazing. We did everything that we did. Like they did a proper contemporary, like a level, not even level one contemporary class. It was like a level minus contemporary class. And then a thing just so, and they explained what it was about. And then they, they asked wow. me to do research. That's so I went really up to cool. the library and looked up all these companies and looked up what dance was and why do we do that. And then they said to me, the one thing you need to do is work on your ballet training. So I found a ballet teacher, Elsie Segus, one-on-one. She was like, she must have been around 68. She used to hit me and she said, yeah, so you can come in and do one class a week for $25. And I was like, and $25 in the 90s? Heaps. Heaps, eh? And I was like, okay. And I didn't think of it because I was working at a cafe. I was like, yeah, it's for, for dance, whatever, no worries. So then um, she said, after a week, she said, I think next week you'll come twice a week. And I said, I can't afford $50. She said, no, no, just for $25. Then the week after, she comes three times a week. And then wow. the week after. And then, so she then ended up making it five days a week, an hour and a half. And she, oh out of God. her own heart for $25 a week. And she told wow. my mum, if any of my private students had an nth of his boy's energy, just keep him with me for the next three oh years and then I'll send him to Europe. That's what she said. I didn't know How that awesome dialogue was happening. But I didn't know that dialogue was happening. Yeah. My mum didn't tell me. And I told Elsie that I've, I was here just for this audition. I want to get into this school because it was going to be three years. <clears throat> and then um, I went to the audition. Elsie got me this amazing blue. She ordered a blue. She said, it'll be royal blue. You shall wear a royal blue all over to mm. the audition. Wow. <laughs> and then I went to the audition and then I got in. Uh, and it was amazing. And then as soon as I told her, she just just never talked to me again. <gasps> wow, how fascinating is that? Yeah, she just went, no. Like, and I hurt her. I didn't realise. At the time, I was confused, but I realised I hurt her. She put all this effort in. Mm. But I always told her that I was doing it for this course. Yeah, and, and she wanted you to try and be in Europe. Yeah, QT, amazing, blew my mind. My first job was with Dark Swan. It was a school touring company. Mm-hmm. We went on the road in 1982, Holden Commodore, and literally went to every school it felt like between Brisbane and Cairns. We made two shows. One was called Be a Sport, and it was a similar in this for primary schools. In classrooms sometimes, put in your speakers and you just get in and you do oh, it. it. It was awesome. And then this, the high school work was called Machete Bonbon. Uh, was, it was about eating disorders. I left that. It was hard yakka, babes, though, like hard yakka. No mobile phone. I'm mm. navigating because I don't drive. Mm. Maps. Wow. Staying in a family room all the way up from Brisbane to Cairns. So four wow. of us in one room, oh the, six months. 
So literally the night before I would sit with the maps and draw where we were going. One thing I'll never forget, Christian Needy's taught us, and this is good for anyone doing anything, publicly, auditions, put on your timer and for 20 minutes before, smile. Whatever you're yeah. doing, you're 20 minutes. 15, 20 minutes in the car, we were doing it and la la la, and it's amazing. So when you first go in, you, your face naturally, your face goes, hey, you're really open. Mm -hmm. And even if you're feeling really bad inside and something's going mm -hmm. on, but still what you're doing is you're sort of opening up all that mm -hmm. energy and they're feeding, they see that, so then they become nicer, so then you become nicer, yeah. and then they become nicer, and you become nicer. So it sort of just mm. sets it up. It's really good. That's so cool to hear people's stories of how they started out in dance. That's so passionate and, and full of gratitude, you know? And I think that there's so much, there's so many options now that it's not just QUT. It's like you could go to this and that, full-time school, unis it's so overwhelming you could do none of it and just train yourself yeah. and i think the overwhelming choice i mean alongside with social media and everything makes you question all your choices and and it's hard to be grateful for what you have and where you are as a young dancer because you're always just thinking about what other people are doing and yeah. what the next thing is but can like can you imagine for some full-timers being key actually that could be really fun to go on the road and dance for schools. But oh, I think yes. a lot of I think a lot of people would probably like turn up their noses to that. Well, now look at Gate but no, it was amazing. Six months of that kind of dancing and mm. also learning consistency and being together on the road and all of like there was no one we were managing the tour mm. from our end. Yeah, we were the ones that lot. had to we had to talk to Arts Queensland, like we, you know, we had our bosses and everything. Of course, if anything went wrong, we would talk to Christianidis on the phone. But we were on the road booking and yeah. making and going. Like, maybe oh, wow. too much responsibility for 20-nothings. Mm. But it was incredibly, incredible growth. Yeah. And then from there, I went to uh, Dance North and then ADT. And then it just keeps going from there and there. Mm. There's a few rogue jobs in there that I'd just like you to touch on. Yeah. If you could tell us what it means to be the choreographer for Nickelodeon Slime Festival. Oh, yes. So um, what that meant was, firstly, they got me into choreographer section. It was more producing at the Slime Festival. Mm -hmm. At the Slime Fest, they sort of wanted me then to work with different choreographers from different groups that were making choreographies for certain bands, but they sort of only met each other on the day. You know, like, wow. yeah. So then that oh was God. that part of the job. But then also I had to think about what it looks like from the wide angle. So then we got in a whole bunch of um, sticks in lines and we decided that we taught the kids little hearts so the camera could punch through the kids going, I heart you. And it was more, it was sort of everything, literally just sort of helping mm. it all fit together. And then the overview of sort of even looking a little bit of movement direction about how things go. And also sort of directing sometimes some of the live acts. Um, yes, it's TV, but God, it's hard for a studio audience. Audiences are really sometimes mm. forgotten about in those situations right. in live, you know, because wow. they're kids too, you know, yeah. Wow, 
Look, I mean, a lot of pressure comes up with those jobs because they maybe they may pay a lot of money, but there's a lot of deliverables that need to happen all the time and sort of stuff that you might not have time to do. And sometimes, not saying all jobs, but sometimes commercial jobs can be really jarring for the body and on the floor in 10 minutes and then you're up in there and then, yeah. you know, get in that back room and put your tights on and like some of that stuff I, I don't like. I don't yeah, like. Yeah. I really don't like that. And... Sometimes I arc up a bit in those jobs. Like, I'm like, you can't treat the dancers like that. Like, they can't, you know, like, they need, we need to pay them for an hour warm up and we need to get a warm up space, even if it's carpet or whatever. But, you know, um, yeah. And I'm sure everyone else does that, you know, but mm. I just, I did experience that a bit sometimes. Mm. Um, I mean, Nickelodeon was great. Like, they were really good. They, they came up with everything that I always asked for, you know. Yeah, nice. Um, Giggle and Hoot. Oh, yeah. Giggle and Hoot. Oh, my God. You really went through my, my yeah. CV. Good. Yeah. Um, there was a little dance that there was a puppeteer. They wanted me to come in and movement direct a little dance that they were doing together. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my um, God. And then there was another scene that had some dance with a hat and he had to keep throwing the hat and Giggle was, no, wow. sorry, Hoot was catching it and we were looking at how to, to dance that and how he was dancing around this microphone. Damn, you made puppets dance. How did you get that job? That was just through t- other TV friends. See, once I started doing stuff on TV, wow. then you, cool. you become, you got to be in the know. Mm. Like I watch others now do that sort of line of stuff. Once you're in, you're sort of in. Wow, but you're in and you were a contemporary See, the, dancer. That Isn't that stage, crazy though? And at that time, no one was doing that amount of crossover like this right. was pre so you think you can dance do you know yeah. what I mean or sort of around the same time that was coming out so before then some contemporary people looked I got a sense hmm, that they didn't think that that the commercial work I was doing was worth anything right well that's funny yeah well I, I look them, at I look at myself know. I'm an artist Mm. And I have, uh, so my job as an artist is to bring creative thinking and I will bring creative thinking as much as I can within the realm of what mm. the job is. Yeah. Uh, whether it's my own work or whether it's in somebody else's work, I'm still going to hit that with a creative mind. Mm. I'm not going to, you know, gentrify that to the, to the nth yeah. degree. And I, and I like limitations within work. Mm. I love that there is, there is all, because all of this, like you were saying with young dancers, having all this choice and all these schools to go to and, and all this stuff, it, it can cause anxiety. Like, you know, I think whatever the limitation is, it helps you drive the focus, you know. Mm. It's good. Good to have perspective and context. Yeah. And... Yeah, no. <laughs> have you ever stolen something? Yeah. Can you play a musical instrument? Nah. Can you speak another language? Yeah. Can you sing? Yeah. Would you work for free? Yeah. Ballet or jazz? Jazz ballet. Wiggles or high five? Wiggles. Big show or intimate informal showing? Informal big show? Left turn or left kick? Oh, left turn. Do you have an enemy? Nah. Do you have a big secret? Yeah. Cool. And uh, yeah or nah? Hmm... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And now we're going to play 
Words are other words. Just say the first thing that comes into your head, all right? First thing that comes into your head. Okay, bottle. Blue. Hair. Uh, twizzled sticks. Friend. Shining. Guitar. Seven notes. Frog. Swamp features. Wet. Auth- authenticated. Wow, I like that, but yeah, wow. Johnny. Dance. Forever. House. Universal. Sir. Strings. Cat. Uh, Orange peels. Two. Seven. And that's the end of words or other words. And you're absolutely right. That was so worth asking you words or other words. My God, Anton. That is a creative mind. What do you think about creativity? Creativity fuels everything in life. Like mm. behind every sort of mundane thing that we do came from a creative mind. Mm. So life has been built on creativity in seeing outside of the box. Mm. Even though I don't agree with everything that we do in this sort of society, but and creativity is completely free in my mind. It only costs stuff when or money that boring old thing money when you have to fit your creativity into the conditioned landscape in which we live be super creative but don't be too creative because we might not get you yeah 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 do you think everyone is creative yeah i'd say so it put in i don't think everybody's allowed to be creative Mm. or have time to ponder or allow something because i think you know Creativity doesn't necessarily mean art for me. It may mean someone just finding a new process and how to do something or mm. a new way of cooking or how to do something around the house or build or I don't know. Do you think it comes naturally to you? I think I was born a creative. I do mm. believe it's in the DNA. Like if I had it all again, I think I'd become an architect, which I think architects are pretty creative. And then, you know, even those that there's sometimes some people are like, oh, they're just a dancer. I hate it when people say that Mm. about dancers because there's a lot of creative thought in how to do a step. Yeah. How to put your body in that is actually creativity. Mm. I've just been thinking about creativity a lot and I think it relates to overwhelm of choice, like how you were saying that choice makes people anxious. Creativity overwhelms me at the moment. Um, what helped me with that, because when I was younger, I, I'd want to do everything all the time and I'd think of works to do. And then the process of making a work, especially in dance, because it is collaborative, nine times out of 10, you're working with other bodies and you need a theater and you need a certain space and you need it. And that a lot, of, a lot of energies needs to be generated to make that work. And because all the works that I make in my head, I can't actually follow, even though I really want to follow. So then I would just imagine I would do that work in my head and just imagine sort of me clapping it and sort of release it. Mm. So wow. it sort of gave, it allowed me, and then I realized, and then I would say, people would say, well, that work doesn't exist. I said, yeah, it did. If yeah. it's thought, it actually exists in some respect or another. Right, which wow. Of, which sort of took the, the pressure off me to sort of allow, to, to allow it to go, but not to feel yeah. pressured about having to follow through on every creative thought either. Wow, nice. I like that. One more thing I really wanted to ask you about was the cross between commercial and contemporary 
worlds because as you said, you've done so much commercial work and you teach at very diverse companies, full-time schools. Just what do you think about that, I guess? I think all dance and all movement and all all of creativity amongst movement is all sort of the same. Like I don't think that there's a hierarchy system that um, if you're a commercial dancer, you're this sort of person. I think you're a fucking awesome dancer or an awesome artist in Mm. the medium that you're exploring. And I think today, especially now, I see young people that can do it all. They can do it all. Mm. They don't, there's not this thing of, oh, I just do, I'm a jazz dancer or I'm a, jazz dancer who says that but I'm a commercial dancer or I'm a contemporary dancer anymore whereas when I was coming out of uni it felt very you studied that and I was going to be in contemporary and there was never going to be like I never really trained in commercial work it's just that I'm open to it all and I remember somebody said to me recently that I worked with he was like Oh, I'm a commercial dancer, but then he's doing all this beautiful movement. And I'm like, no, you're everything. And he's like, oh, yeah. Mm. And for young students that are coming out, not to classify yourself, but then not to tell everybody all the time all the things that you're interested in either. Just sort of hold some of your creative secrets somewhere. Right. Sometimes. (laughs) And maybe don't put everything up all the time. Mm. Disappear a bit. One post a week's good. There's always other ways that people get to know you through class, through going to something, to seeing something, to being in the space of maybe the person that you want to work with in another way Mm. rather than sort of just looking at all their stuff on socials. Mm. And also don't maybe, because I sort of fell in love early on with sort of my vibe or the idea of what I thought I was as a choreographer, director and a dancer. Don't fall in love with your two-dimensional image. It's sort of not you. You're creating mm. it. Just know that it, that's not the real thing, you know. Mm. The whole thing, if, if I can say anything about what I've learnt in 47 years, it was not that much, but it's all, it's all good. All of it is all good. So the five years I stayed away was really good. Yeah. If you don't join a company and you don't, get to that dream but then you maybe have this awesome child or you go on this other job but you dance on the weekends and you enjoy it or you teach young kids and you don't do this you don't do the other thing fantastic just keep Mm. movement in your life and keep the joy of motion going i don't say that thing they said to us when i was growing up the only top one percent of you blah, blah blah no i don't say that i'm like you know Make sure you just keep dancing your life all your life, whether you're in the public domain or not. And it all takes time too. You know, like even for me, when I was making my first works at uh, Dance North, there was sort of two years of that. And then there was another four years of making works, part of uh, the in-house season at ADT. So it was sort of like six years. And then I was making works for kids. And, but if you want to make something, like find out who you are and don't over sh- and maybe don't always show it online yet until you're really ready to what that is, you know? And delve deep, break your patterns, break your movement patterns. That's right, we were talking about, um, that's right on the phone, we were talking mm. about um, what, what, where, why, how, how do we exist, sort of mm-hmm. what's the history, what are we all doing here, why, you're like, yeah, and that, that was the one thing I said was like Oz dance. 
you know, commissioned the Safe Dance Report to be made in the 80s and basically fought for wages and a whole bunch of stuff with the unions and, and sort of got a whole bunch of, yeah, where, where we dance on nice, you know, um, padded floors, not padded floors, sprung floors, with varying degrees of sprung floors, even if it's wood, but because of dance in Australia. Like, I think that's mm. amazing. And like, little things like, I hope everyone knows who the director was before Gary. Ah, that's at, the other thing, yeah. At, at um, ADT, like, director for Gary was Meryl Tankard. And who's the director before Raphael Bonicella? I hope young people know, you know, it's Graham and Janet. Like, they were there for nearly 30 years or something, you know, like, it's good to know where we come from. I think it's yeah. really important that we get to share a bit about what's going on. Like the performance space that's at Carriage Works used to be on Crown Street and has celebrated so many people's careers. Dean Walsh and Ros Crisp that did a whole bunch of stuff overseas. She's an incredible Australian artist that does improvisation. And like, there's a whole gamut of stuff that young people should know. I mean, in, in another way, is that just me as an old person saying, you should know this? I don't know. Or, I don't know, it's just good to know, you know? Mm. Like, I think why I'm sort of interested in history is because I didn't have the internet and we didn't have mobile phones. So all we did, it was very centralised and very clear that we were dancing. So all we did was work at, I worked at a cafe and I danced. Every weekend we went into the studio and we danced. Of course we went out and we partied and we did all the other stuff, but it was just dance, dance. that was it. There was nothing else. Like, and we loved it. It wasn't like we were miss. we didn't feel like we were missing out on anything. So then when you, when you wanted to know something about a company or a person, you did everything to find out what it was, you know, <laughs> how long it was been there, what was before, who did the repertoire, blah, 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 how many dancers, yeah. what dancers, dancers there before, why are they there, da, 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 what yeah. interest in music, what, why are they making that, what's the context, what, what does the context mean in today's society, how does it fit into the Australian value of arts practice now, what does it do, how does it challenge it, what does it mean, you know, like, all of that yeah. stuff's really important. Now, when you just do that with your phone, I don't think any of those questions come up because yeah. you just judge something in two seconds and mm. it's, it's very different. And I'm not saying it needs to not be this because actually this sort of platform is amazing for other things. It's mm. great to put work out there. It's great to see, see other stuff. It's great to be constantly inspired from a visual mechanism and know mm. that it is just a visual mechanism. It's not... There's lots of other ways to be inspired creatively, but there's lots of other stuff to be as a sharing tool on here. It's great. But like maybe sometimes it's good just to look, dig a dip, bit deeper, you know? Mm. And maybe it's about emailing someone not for a job, but sort of asking them a question about what they do or something, you know? Mm. Like, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite ever experience dancing? Oh God. I just then I just remembered we didn't talk about tour food. You want to really, really quickly talk about tour food. Tour and then food. That's, that's my final question Great. for you. Um, what do you eat on tour? I eat broccoli from a kettle. Ooh. Mozzarella balls. Ooh. Like, well, I've only been on tour in Europe, so it's a kind of different yeah. scenario. It's hard to find greens. It's hard to find healthy food. Yeah. It's a lot of bread, yeah. meat, cheese, yeah. potato yeah. everywhere you go. 
So I would always get a broccoli and heat it up in the hotel kettle and then I would get a mozzarella ball or some kind of like lunch meat. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would also, because I learned after my first year of touring that I always felt guilty when I was offered free food and I didn't eat it. And so in Europe, they treat you so incredibly. It's like yeah. free towels, yeah. breakfast, lunch, yeah. dinner, everything was free. And so I'd be like, well, I have to try everything. And then I was putting on a lot of weight. And so I had to end up going into like a bit of a system of intermittent fasting or like not letting myself eat the hotel breakfast. I'm not encouraging anyone to skip meals, but that was the way oh, that seemed to work best then. for yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, I used to smash it in Europe. We go on tour in Europe. Oh my God, Germany and all that. Because yeah, I don't the, eat meat now. I haven't eaten meat for four years. But when I was younger, oh my God, yeah. we go to France and you're making like a baguette this big for breakfast with like so many different types of beautiful cheese and the deli meats and then the, oh yeah. God. And and Germany for somehow has all that, but then also has all these eggs Little and pickled herrings and, and oh, just and so good. Yeah. Like I used to love that. But we used to make packs oh, yeah. from breakfast. You uh -huh. always wrap them yeah, in a yeah, thing and yeah. you stick them in your pot. You stick them in. You always make breakfast lunch into on tour because yeah. it's cheaper. And you know, you always get dirty eyes of someone in the breakfast room that's cleaning up, seeing you take too much. Like you make a sandwich to take with you. Um, but I nowadays I always take my NutriBullet and I. I get as many vegetables as possible and just drink that to just to try to get, it's disgusting, but just to try to get it. Or I take a nut bag as well and then you can make the juice and you keep the pulp and you put the pulp away. Uh, it's really good. So you put all the juice in the Nutribullet, yeah. blend it up and then you put it in the nut bag and then you squeeze, yeah, it, out squeeze it out and it's like the best oh, thing. Nice. Um, I think of greens, just smashing greens as much as possible when you need it. Um, and lots of rice. You can buy little rice cookers now, tiny ones that you yeah. can make stuff wow. in. Yeah, little tiny rice cookers Cute. that you can get and you can put the rice in, but then you can steam your vegetables and tofu on top and stuff. Wow. Or That's if you like fish or whatever, you could actually steam chicken in there or whatever if you ain't me. Yeah. Certain hotel rooms don't have a lot of cooking utensils and things, like your regional tours. So then I just try to grab like a bag of vegetables. So I'll just have like two, three or four carrots, lots of celery, broccolini, have a hummus thing, lots of tomatoes. And then sort of when I was, um, especially with Bangaram, we were on the road, like, and I wasn't dancing a lot. So I ha that's when you gotta be really careful. Cause you ain't, there's no show to burn yeah. off them calories. Yeah. So like, what do you eat after a show for energy? A beer and some fries. Yeah, right. Straight in the carbs. Get yeah. yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's not good. It's not a sustainable way of living. No, it's you just couldn't. fine. No, no. I like a banana at the end, a couple of bananas. Mm -hmm. There's a moment where, you know where it does it with every performer, you're like, hi from the show, hi. Yeah. And then there's a moment where it goes, Poof, and it hits you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I've got to go home now. When that hits me. I can't talk <laughs> now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, straight out the door. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Mm. Wow. Thanks very much for coming. 
Is there anything you'd like to say to my nine listeners? Thank you, nine listeners, for watching. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I think Dance Bands is amazing and I think you've had to be amongst the talent that you have um, interviewed is very, very humbling. And I love that you make this show. I love that you're creating a legacy of sort of dance. Dance and dance people and dance interviews. It's fantastic. Oh, Mm. thanks, Anton. Where can people find you? On um, Instagram, my handle is quickant, Mm -hmm. Q-U-I-K-A-N-T. So no C and it is, yes, left over from the 90s. It was my first ever email name and for some reason I've kept it for 20-something years, 30 years. Um, And I have a little website called nice. antonprojects.com.au Nasty Fiction <gasps> Yes, Nasty Fiction Get your tickets at Form Dance Projects um, and it is on the 13th, 14th and 15th at 8pm If you have a school or a dance school and you want them to come to a show during the day we have a matinee on Friday and uh, we have a matinee on Saturday so see you there Woo! Woo! See ya